0: Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, I am talking about a show that was not technically written just for me, but really feels like it was written just for me. That show is Five Golden Rings, a greeting card channel holiday musical. I saw the show at the Sonntag Theater at the Ice House in Mount Dora, Florida, which I think is technically its in-person IRL world premiere, which we will get into in our conversation. Before I saw the show the day before Thanksgiving, I spoke with the show's writers, book writer Stephen Garvey and David Abenanti, who wrote the music and the lyrics. David is the senior vice president for music and creative at Broadway licensing, and you might have seen one of Stephen's previous shows off-Broadway at the theater at St. Clements, the Barty Bunch musical The War of the Families Partridge and Brady, which takes that iconic crossover special between the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family and throws a very Shakespearean twist on it. The two told me about the somewhat unusual writing of this show, all of the different kinds of loving tropes and formulaic storylines, that they mix into this really fun show. And they also talk a little bit about some of their favorite Hallmark movies as well. As you would expect, this is a show that obviously plays on some of the very familiar cliches and stock characters that we see in all of these movies, whether they're on Hallmark, Lifetime, or any of the myriad cable channels, networks, or streaming services that try to get in on this feel-good holiday fair. But, as always, and I think they actually mentioned this in the conversation, you can't write a really good parody of something if you don't love it, and it's clear that both Stephen and David do. I saw the show, like I said, on Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and... Coincidentally, much like my parents and brother and niece, when they saw Hamilton at the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts in Orlando a couple weeks ago, we had a little bit of a fire alarm situation when I saw it. Fortunately, this was not in the middle of a song. It was during intermission. We had to be evacuated from the theater and firefighters had to come and do all of that stuff. Eventually, it was determined that there was somebody smoking in the bathroom. Don't do that. Just just don't do that. Anyway, the show is delightful and it's fun, and if you love these Hallmark-type movies like I do, which I'm actually in the middle of watching one right now, I have no doubt that hopefully when you get to see it at a theater near you, you will love it just as much as I do. So, with all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Steven and David. David and Steven, I want to thank you for talking to me, not just about this show, but during this time of year, the happiest season of the year. And of course, I don't just mean the holidays in general, but the countdown to Christmas movie season, which is my high holy days. So I appreciate you uh, jumping on to talk about Five Golden Rings, a greeting card channel holiday musical. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, is this down here in Central Florida, is this going to be the first production of this show as far as i i know is that the first one that's going to be happening
1: yeah it's the first uh it's the first live one uh there was one that was done during the pandemic without an audience and was streamed um uh over the internet but yeah we're really excited because this is the first time it'll be in front of an audience
0: and I imagine that something like this, although I'm so used to watching these you know, cable channel holiday movies by myself on the couch in front of a TV, so there's no audience. But like, I imagine with a show like this that is playing on some very well-known tropes that having an audience will almost undoubtedly add to the enjoyment, especially since I imagine that most of the people in the audience will be fans of this genre, this very, very specific genre of holiday movies as well.
2: Oh yeah, that was that was something that uh, we've talked about a lot. How this dinner theaters or or any theater that has like a BYOB policy, um, where people could just bring in their own bottles of wine, because it really is it's it's a shared experience at this point. Um, even my daughter and I, when when we watch these movies, when there's a premiere uh, on a Saturday night at eight, uh, we'll look at the hashtag. Uh, of the title, you know, we'll plug that in uh, to Twitter, or uh, and and then just watch the stream of comments uh, over the course of the two hours, which are sometimes more enjoyable than than the movies themselves. How dare you? Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's just it. It's just like everyone loves or dislikes these movies for the same reasons, and and I think you know the people that love the movies recognize what might not be perfect about them. People that don't like the movies understand what does work about them. So it does become this kind of shared, uh, uh, viewing experience.
1: And it it would be, yeah, and it would be great. uh, Obviously having an audience filled with fans of this genre, because, uh, Steve and I were very, um, who are both, we're both big fans of this as well. And so we made sure to put in a whole bunch of different little jokes that uh will hopefully come across to that audience.
0: Yeah, we're in I want to ask about those uh here in a minute. But I to get back to some of those that that idea that people either love them or hate them and generally they either love them or hate them for the very same reasons. It's not like it's these things are super <laughs> deep. Um, you can go into every one of them. And one of the things that I love about them is, is that I can have one on and be doing something else. And if I zone out to work on something on my computer for a few minutes, I can jump back in and not really have missed a whole lot. Um, <laughs> so there are these formulas and these uh, these tropes that go into almost all of them, although I think they are trying to vary it up a little bit here, especially this season. But as you go into writing this, whether it's from the book perspective or the, the music and lyrics perspective, I assume that you are very cognizant of those those tropes, but how much do you try to balance playing into them and playing off of them to kind of give a little wink and a nod to the audience that is just as familiar with them as
2: you are? Um, from the book perspective, uh, writing it, I, I mean, my, my, atti- my attitude is when you're writing a parody, uh, one of the key rules is that you got to love the subject matter, love the thing that you are parodying. Or otherwise, you know it just comes across as mean spirited and and can get a little lazy and and honestly parodies like that they wear out their welcome in about 10 minutes so what we wanted to do was was kind of you know bust on the tropes you know sort of the way you bust on a good friend of yours or a little sibling you know some, something you know someone that you, you you can make fun of but at the same time you will defend to the death if you had to uh so we we used those those tropes to but we also took the story seriously. We wanted to tell a 90-minute to a hundred-minute, you know, musical that had a, a forwarding story, characters with an arc. And granted, they're all familiar arcs. I mean, obviously we have a female lead who's, you know, engaged in climbing the corporate ladder in the big city, uh, in quotes. Uh otherwise, what are we doing here, people? Yeah. But we <laughs> yeah. also wanted to make it. A story that could stand on its own, so that people could get engaged with it and you know laugh at the tropes, but also you know root for the characters.
0: And David, as you approach it from the music and score side of this conversation, how do you kind of? Riff on not only what we know of these movies to begin with, but also play into the types of music you would hear during the holiday season. I imagine that that there's certainly some some elements and themes of traditional holiday music weaved through the score as well,
1: yeah, that's true. i I, I tried to make it a combination. So whenever I approach any type of score, it's always with what would best serve the character. And in this case, um there are some, uh spots of the score that are certainly genuine to what the character is feeling but you also can't avoid the uh temptation to add the things that we know so much from those holiday movies if you ever notice um deck the halls and jingle bells appear in i think all of these uh, all free. of these films And that's exactly right. The reason is because they're public domain. So you do hear themes of jingle bells and deck the halls in this show as well. Um, And you also have the characters um, from a a singing perspective. uh, The lyrics especially are also... Um, true to how they would portray themselves and how they would feel about themselves in in a musical sort of like this. So they are poking a little bit of fun at themselves, especially in the ensemble numbers uh, where they're talking about the small town that they live in and and how great everything is at Christmas. And you could could hopefully tell through the writing of the music that it's done in a tongue-in-cheek way.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know how you can do any type of of show based off of this genre without having it be tongue-in-cheek because at this point the films themselves are almost tongue-in-cheek they're almost self-parodying themselves because of how aware they are of some of these tropes and obviously that gives or takes and the, your mileage may vary but it seems like they are very much in on the joke in a lot of ways uh as well but with with this uh, I know you had told me uh Stephen the the actors that you had in mind as you were working on your two central romantic characters. Um, so I, you told me this in email, so I don't want to throw this out there if this isn't public knowledge, but do you, did you have the types, the actors that we see all the time in these movies in mind when you were, uh, kind of crafting these central characters?
2: it's funny. I do, I do that so much when, when I'm writing something, I always kind of place an actor or two in my head who would be perfect for this part. And, and as I was writing this and, and it, David and I wrote this collaborate together uh, during the pandemic. And I, I guess we can get into that in a minute. Um, but during doing the research for it, I probably watched 30 to 40 of these Hallmark movies. And I'd already seen a bunch of them, you know, on, on kind of a weekly basis, but uh it all became sort of a blur at one point between, you know, like Lacey Crabay and Autumn Reeser and, you know, Danica McKellar, you know, it's, <laughs> like it's, it's these are, and they all generally play uh, pretty similar characters. So it was kind of like a, a conglomeration of, of all of these, you know, uh, actresses uh, floating in my head, of course, Jodie Sweetman and and the other full house actress whose name. will we Yeah. We're not,
0: we're not going to get into her. Um, so, d- so, so, you would say that they are kind of just a general amalgamation of all of the different people that we see in these films on a weekly basis and in some cases, you know, a multiple times a day basis, if you're me.
2: Pretty much. The male lead will have to wear a flannel shirt and then, you know, whatever he looks like outside of that is is irrelevant.
0: Yeah, we won't see it, I imagine, because that <laughs> unless he's a prince, sometimes the male lead a is shirt. a
1: shirt because we sing about it so
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, unless like he is secretly a prince in disguise he's always going to be in the
2: flannel shirt so well, that so, was <laughs> right that was that was the one of two ways to go you know it's like do we do the you know the prince where the single woman you know is whisked to the kingdom of a non-existent country to repair i don't know the royal family's torn tapestry or or do we go the you know Vermont bed and breakfast route and and we chose the latter
0: yeah, I, I, I like the idea of the Vermont bed and breakfast. It's always a bed and breakfast or a general store or a bakery or something in a quaint little town that has no business actually having a bed and breakfast in it because there's no tourists going to these tiny towns in, in Vermont. As, as,
2: as, as long as there's some good product placement and yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. get that Folgers coffee out. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the fact that you did
0: collaborate writing this during the pandemic and I I would imagine that in a lot of ways, as you are working on something, everybody can kind of retreat into their own corners and work on the script or work on the songs. But as you were trying to do something that feels cohesive across all elements of a show, what was your process to figure out, Okay, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to write these, come together. What was what was that whole experience like trying to piece something together when you couldn't necessarily always be in the same room together?
1: I can speak for for me. This was one of the actually one of the best experiences I ever had writing a musical. Um, first of all, Steve uh, did a first uh, take at the book. And then what he sent me were his ideas for where he thinks a song should go and what we should accomplish in the song, which for a composer and lyricist is like a gift Yeah. Um, because you're like, oh, this is fantastic. This is what the book writer has in mind. And now I just need to. Uh, See if I could service that, and especially, I mean, Steve's ideas were just so great about where a song should be and the points that we need to hit on. um, That what I would do is I'd take a crack at the song and I would record like the first verse and chorus on my iPhone, and just me singing at the piano and text it to him, and say, "This is the direction I'm thinking of," and he'd say, "Great." More often than not, he was he was happy with it, which I'm happy to say. um And he would say, "Okay, this is this is great. I like this. Maybe we shouldn't say that." And I'd be like, "Okay, that's cool." And I would do the same thing with the book, where I would send him notes and say, "Hey, maybe this part should be a little earlier." And I, I, I mean, I can't speak for Steve, but we have talked about it. One of the easiest, smoothest collaborations I've had. We didn't have one fight and hardly a disagreement, and we just laughed a whole lot. Um, over sending notes to each other, and then our weekly Zoom meetings.
0: That almost feels very uh, analogous to these movies where there might be yeah. a little conflict here and there, but really it's fairly <laughs> low stakes when it comes to whatever kind of,
2: you know, confrontations people have.
0: We're method writers.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much. Pretty. Pretty much, I do remember one day going on a, a hike with my family. Not that we would ever do something like that if there wasn't a pandemic and there was something else to do, but we were uh, we were out hiking when I got an email, and it was the first song uh, that David was working on. It's uh, the song is called uh, "Something Is uh, Something Is Brewing." Uh, I don't want to uh, give away what the song is about. Uh, for those few people Coffee. in the Florida area that'll be seeing it, but yes, uh, yeah, it, it, it might be a product placement song. Uh, but <laughs> oh, I was I, kidding. But okay, great. <laughs> you're, you're precisely right. Um, but I couldn't end the hike fast enough. I was like, I wanted to get home. I wanted to listen to it, and it was like, and that was the experience of of working with David on this. Is that every time he would send a song, it felt like you know Christmas morning uh, to 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 run with the theme we're going with with the method uh to just open this up and listen to this new song and and more often than not it was it was just dead on it was precisely what i was thinking the song should be but don't have the musical ability to craft it myself it was just like and and elevating it it was it it would go uh beyond what i was thinking uh so it was it was it was a really uh Really pretty joyous uh, collaboration, even though we didn't see each other until we were working on the third draft of it in person.
0: Well, you you might not have written this together. Are you I know you're I think you're coming down to Central Florida to see the show. Are you going to be able to see the show together? Finally?
2: Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it down. I'm trying to. It's that between Thanksgiving and and Christmas period. And and, um, there's another show that I'm working on that's happening in London right now. So it's a uh, it's it's tough, but uh, I'm I'm trying desperately to get down there because um, from what I understand, they're doing uh, a terrific job uh, down in Mount Dora at the um, at the Ice House uh, Theater. So uh, I, I'm I'm really hopeful I can get there. Dave, did, we didn't even discuss this. Are, are are you trying to get down there?
1: We haven't. I'm trying to work my schedule as uh, Matt. So Steve and I are in very similar situations where we both have kids. And, of course, there's Christmas concerts and all that sort of thing. So, yes, I'm just trying to work with my work schedule, my kids' Christmas concert schedules, and hopefully I'll be able to make it to
2: well, so I the will... answer so the answer Matt is that um, we are much better at collaborating on musicals than we are in coordinating a <laughs> with each other.
0: Uh, understood I will be I will be glad to report back after I see it though if uh, if you need any inside information if you're not able to uh, to get down mm-hmm. here but but it's interesting because since this is the first time that it'll be done in front of an audience um, it's it's a little unusual I would imagine that this is just a licensed production the ice house as you mentioned down here in Mount Dora uh, which is on the the North ish side of Orlando, they licensed it and they're the first ones to do it. So what is it like to see you've done the show via, you know, zoom and and during the pandemic, and then you kind of just let it out there. And now that it's actually being done to kind of finally be like, okay, we've done our part. Now it's somebody else's turn to pick it up and run with it.
1: It's one of the it's one of the things you always have to be mindful of. The blessing of having your show um, be licensed through a company that licenses musicals is that other people get to do it. The other thing is they're all going to put their own stamp on it. And so it's not 100 percent always the way you would expect it to be done. But that's kind of the beauty of letting it out there and letting other people see your words and your music and then put their own uh, sort of unique spin on your writing. I mean, this is actually how Steve and I met. I, um, I'm a senior vice president for Broadway licensing, which is one of the licensing houses that license musicals. And one of the first shows that we signed was one of Steve's shows uh, called The Barty Bunch. And I just thought it was com- so brilliant. And it was, I think, the first or second show that we brought into our catalog. And soon after, I think Steve pitched me the idea about this show, and uh it took a couple of years before we got it going but um so we're very obviously we're very familiar with the licensing industry and sometimes this is how it works that and especially coming out of a pandemic that nobody knew how to handle really some of the things we did was we just wrote shows and put them into licensing without going through like you know the uh, traditional workshopping and all that sort of thing so sure we put it out there and we uh let people do you know, their thing with it, and hopefully we we'll like what we see. And then we can, you know, if they do something good, then we change it, put it in the script, and we take the credit. <laughs>
2: and it's, <laughs> it's also certainly helpful that theaters that do license this have um, the research in front of them, they can turn on, you know, any one of a number of, uh, cable channels, whether it's Hallmark or Hallmark adjacent, you know, uh, Christmas movies that are happening. And, uh, it's, it's kind of there for them to sort of, uh, plot it out from there, yeah, I doubt there's going to be many productions of this that are, are going to involve like you know a lot of blood or anything like that.
0: <laughs> that's that's Barty Bunch. That's uh, a much that's different. More Barty uh,
2: Bunch. Yeah, yeah
0: much <laughs> different, much different show. Um, as you are getting ready for this show to be out there in the world, I assume you are still taking at least a little time here or there, despite your busy work and kids' schedules, uh, to watch some of the movies that have debuted this year. Have there been any that you've watched that? A, I guess that you really enjoyed, or B, you saw and you're like, "Oh man, that was a missed opportunity." There's something in this movie that I wish we would have put into Five Golden Rings. Boy, not
2: for me. I feel like we kind of nailed it. Um, <laughs> I do think. I do think we're missing. <laughs> We're missing a little amnesia. Uh, you know, there, uh, I can't remember which one it was. I know uh, which
0: one it was. She's in a car. She's a writer. She needs to get away. Uh, her fiance her manager. She drives off and gets an amnesia in a small town a doctor finds her. Doesn't
2: she fall? There's one where someone like falls down in the laundry room though. I feel oh, like. Oh, I
0: don't know that one. I know the one where she's in a car accident and gets stranded <laughs> okay. in a small town, but yeah, yeah, I just watched that one a couple weeks ago. Well, what's wait, really. Stranded in a small town. What? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know, but now we have other seasons to play with, right? Because, you know, now we have the, you know, the autumnal season and, uh, it's, it's there, they're starting and Valentine's day, of course, they're starting to branch. Out from from Christmas to 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 hit all of these other uh, yeah. holidays, so um, you know that's that's something David and I will have to think about if we want to franchise this thing. <laughs> uh,
0: look, I, I, as somebody who DVRs every single new movie on on the Hallmark Channel, I am here for all of them. Um, so to kind of wrap this up, I, I've got a couple one more question before we wrap up on a, on a question specifically about the show, but in all of your watching and all of your research. I know they all blend together because they all kind of run together to me as well. But was there one that you, one of these movies, whether it's Hallmark or Hallmark adjacent life lifetime, wherever else you find them that you kind of hold up as the pinnacle of this very specific art form and this very specific genre. Is there one that you turn to being like, this is the peak of what these things should be? The
2: quintessential. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, um, yeah, you know, I I'll I'll never remember, you know, the titles. Um, but the one and it's funny because we, we don't really get into it as much. The the one that always stood out to me is um is the one where, where Stephen Gross and uh Meredith Baxter Burney uh mm-hmm. you know played uh the parents to a um uh a a kid who's, who's basically Santa Claus, right. Their son. And I'm trying to remember who the actor was. um, But uh, it was, it was, and they've done this a few times, you know, with the, uh, Oh, this is Santa Claus's son. Uh, That that to me was, was one that, uh, that for, you know, that that stuck out to me, even though it's not one that we said, you know, Hey, this is, you know, quintessential, um, yeah. it, it doesn't really follow the, the the tropes that we did, but it's it's the one that um, I enjoyed watching uh, the most personally.
0: Yeah. Having Santa actually be like the general store owner or, or something like that. That's that's definitely a trope in a lot of these. Yes. Uh, David, anything stick out for you?
1: Um, many of them, because in my in my house, they're on on a loop. Uh, like you said, they're just yeah. like on, it's like, it's almost like the Christmas tree and, and you know, you have that on, uh, the one that stands out in my head that I I've, I've seen many times and I always loved is, uh, the one with Melissa Joan Hart and Dean Kane, where they are broad, uh, they host a morning show, yeah. right. And then they go to, uh, something Christmas broadcast or something like that. Um, and they end up in a small town and, <laughs> Don't they always? Um, Yeah, right. So, uh, so that one is always stuck in my mind. But um, yeah, and then of course, and I, I am a fan of the royal ones, the uh, the Lacey Chabert uh, royal ones, where she shows the prince how to, um, you know, act the right way. Yeah,
0: that's there. It's a it's a classic, and you can almost count on at least one secret prince or princess one every season. So so that's good. I with all of the fake countries, fake European countries they've come up with though, like I feel like we need to have like a map to show where these places are supposed to be and like <laughs> right. where they I'm sure they're all you know intermingled by blood somehow all back to like charlemagne or something but uh, <laughs> that's something that i would like to see but uh all right to wrap to wrap up down here uh five golden rings uh at the ice house in mount dora running from uh it's, well, as we're recording this on thursday it's the performances start on the 18th on friday and run through december 11th um of course i'll have a link in the show notes for people who want to Take the trip to see it, but obviously this is going to be fun. It's going to be silly, but when audiences come to see this show, what is it that you are are hoping they take from it? Beyond the recognition of oh, I I know what this is. I've seen a Hallmark movie before, so I understand what this musical is. What beyond that recognition is something that you hoping that they're going to take away during this time of the year?
1: I hope that people get to escape a little bit, um, which is sort of the magic of these movies, and as much as we joke around about them, the the real beauty of it is that it's sort of like comfort food. And it's it's really like your favorite sweats, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so people, people need that. You know, I mean, especially lately, um, I think that they need to get away, just be entertained, you know, for 90 minutes and go to the theater and actually just be entertained and laughed and not necessarily preached at. Um, but just sort of to go out, enjoy themselves, laugh, and um, and have a great night with family and fans of this genre.
2: Yeah, I, I think it it just falls into like anytime someone goes to Holiday Inn or White Christmas, you know, you're 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 you know, paying money to sit down in a theater and be entertained by a you know holiday themed uh, classic. And I and I, I I think this is an alternative for people who are just looking to see a different show, you know, with, with great music. And I think that's what makes, that's what just adds to the experience of you like Hallmark movies, but here you're actually getting, you know, some great songs and some dance as well. And it's just a, it's just a, a feel good show that hopefully, you know, in years, you know, down the line, maybe it'll become like a Rocky horror thing where people come in knowing exactly what they're getting from this show and they'll bring their own snowballs to throw for the, Snowball fight, and <laughs> you know it's uh, yeah, it really it's predictable, but it feels fresh and new at the same time. And I think there there's a magic when that happens.
0: Yeah, that is very much the general ethos of these films, anyway. So having the musical fit right in with that feels perfect. Well, uh, Steve David, I am very excited to see this show. I'll be seeing it next week before Thanksgiving. Uh, so I'm very excited to kind of dive into this world of snowy vermont which is somewhere that i spend a lot of time looking at but living here in central florida i'm glad i don't actually have to experience in real life so uh thank you for chatting about this i wish you the best of luck with this run hopefully you get down here to see it if not as you said hopefully it's something that uh is done all over the place in years to come so you can see it many many times
2: excellent
1: thank you so much man